Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Want to hop on real quick? Wish everyone a happy new year, and we are off and running here at Fasting for Life. Want to let you know about the first seven day fasting lifestyle challenge is just a couple weeks away here, coming up on February 1st. I cannot believe it already. If you've started this year off with the best intention, setting those resolutions, if you've been in the weight loss journey, you know about the new year, new you resolutions. And the fact is that they pretty much wear off by the end of the month. If you've been to the gym, you know that everybody comes out of the woodwork and the gyms get busy. And then the sad reality is by the end of the month, they're back to those old habits and those old lifestyles. And we don't want that for you. And by the way, I'm speaking from personal experience here. So that is why our challenge actually starts after the holidays have entered our rearview mirror and the holiday hangover has passed. February 1st, we are starting fresh with a seven day fasting lifestyle challenge. And no, it is not a seven day fast. We use intermittent fasting windows all the way up to 36 to 40 hour fasting windows. We have a beginner schedule, an advanced schedule, and it is going to be building those foundational, actionable habits on a day-to-day basis that can get you long-term sustainable results by adapting a fasting lifestyle. We don't want you to miss out. It's gonna be absolutely incredible. It's gonna be an incredible experience that we have in store for you. February 1st is the start date. You can go to the show notes, click the link for more information. And now onto today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Water, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. A happy new year to all of you hopping on the podcast episode this week. If we are mm-hmm. not the first, then maybe we will be the last to wish you a happy new year. But we are happy regardless <laughs> that you are here with us this week. Shout out to all the old school listeners as well. Yeah. The OGs, the Fasting for Life lifers on this journey <laughs> with us to turn fasting into the sustainable health and weight loss solution that so many of us are looking for. If you're new, yes. feel free to head back to episode one, where we tell our story in about 30 minutes of why we found fasting, how we found fasting, and gives you some insight into our motivation to do what it is that we do day to day now yeah. in the weight loss and fasting world. So welcome in, welcome in. Incredible episode today, Tommy, if I do say so ourselves. I'm excited to unpack this article on the effects of low sugar diet combined with intermittent fasting. Not just that, but in the context mm. of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Mm. something that you and I will unpack as we share just a tiny bit of our journey on how those labs popped up for us, but they kind of just got swept under the rug. So lots of fun stuff today, lots of encouragement coming your way, and a couple of announcements real quick. The new blueprint to fasting for fat loss is available. You can go to the show notes, click the link, download it. We'll send it over to you over the interwebs, put it in your email inbox. 
And then also the next seven day fasting lifestyle challenge. If you want to accelerate your results, you've got the guide. You're going to leave the episode putting, you know, one or two of these things into action today, which is, mm-hmm. as you hear in our opening, we want you to take something away every single episode that you can apply to your fasting life and to your health immediately. After you get the resource, you're going to have an opportunity. You can sign up for that challenge. Don't miss out. This is the first one of the year, and we've got some incredible stuff in store, Tommy. I can't believe like the holiday hangover is going away. The New Year's resolutioners are leaving the gyms. (laughs) We're a few weeks into the year, and it feels like, I mean, do we even, like, what happened to 2022? So don't lose the momentum if you've got it or if you're ready to make some change. We are here for you as well, Tommy. Hey. Very cool. I want to give a couple shout outs to, some of the incredible reviews that we've gotten recently. Yes. We just hit a huge milestone. So from the bottom of our heart, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know that one of our goals is to pull back the curtain on Mm -hmm. blood sugar, diabetes, prediabetes, insulin resistance. It's Mm -hmm. toll on health, shortening our life, decreasing our quality of life in the later decades. And we really want to empower each and every one of you that fasting can be an incredibly powerful tool to reverse these things, prevent these things, and never end up in a situation where you have to spend your time, all of your time, effort, energy, and finances on trying to get your health back. We want to prevent, we want to encourage, we want to pull you out of the matrix and empower you that you have control of your health, you have control of your weight. There is a way to do it. Yep. And fasting can be that solution for so many. And Tommy, that that mark that we just hit is that 2 million downloads. Yes. Which so is cool. just, I never would have imagined. So a sincere thank you and a, yeah, appreciation you. and gratitude that y'all continue to listen, continue to follow, continue to share. So we want to give a shout out to a couple of the most recent, our favorite reviews, the five-star reviews before we hop into the effects of a low sugar diet combined with intermittent fasting in the context of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So Tommy, do yeah. you have those up in front of you? Do you want me to start? Yes. Yes, I do. Absolutely. Rayanne, thank you for the five-star review. Helpful podcast on fasting. I've been fasting for about a month and a half now, and I found this podcast to be a great encouragement and helps me understand more about fasting. Thank you for all the great information, Rayanne. You are very welcome. Thank you for the review too. Yes, absolutely. WFNV. I wish we could know who these people are. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's the best a daily conversation. I don't like to talk about fasting with my family, friends, or coworkers. If you've been listening for a while, you know the first two rules of fasting, just like mm-hmm. the first two rules of Fight Club, if you're old enough to get that <laughs> reference, are don't talk about fasting. And right. they say they listen daily because it feels like a conversation between yes. you and I. I find myself agreeing mm-hmm. with them and thinking, that happened to me too. Right? I, Absolutely. I have this podcast <laughs> on and off throughout my day the best. Thank you so much, yeah. WFNV and appreciate you listening in. And that is exactly the essence of why we do this week in and week out. And these reviews tell the podcast gods that we're doing something of value. So much appreciated. Yes. We want to do one more shout out before we dive in. Yeah, absolutely. Julie, new but very impressed. I've been hearing wonderful things about this duo from a, a PT who is a, a PhD, and I'm a previous nurse anesthetist. So we're both pretty selective. 
I joined the last seven day challenge, got through it during the holidays with a five pound loss and a big drop in my cravings for unhealthy foods. Congrats, Julie. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm now in the in in the, the six month VIP coaching and, and have consumed hours of the content. Super impressed with the content. But most of all, these men seem to really care and genuinely want to help people struggling. Absolutely, we do. And she says she learned so much in the process and so wish cool. she had started months ago. Thanks, guys. You're welcome, Julie. Thank you for, yep. for the trust and for the shout out. Appreciate it. Yeah, the, the trust is a big thing. So if you're new and you're yeah. going, who are these guys, right? We're, we're just right. <laughs> we're just normal folks just like you. But yeah. fasting transformed our lives. And yep. that is our mission and vision now is to take this message and continue to build on, you know, just the tried and true art of fasting. But most importantly, Absolutely. get y'all results. So mm-hmm. with that being said, appreciate the shout outs. Feel free to drop us a review. We are getting going here with 2023, continuing that momentum. We ended the year with some talks about goals and you know, mindset. And then, you know, we did a big year in review mm-hmm. for the first episode of the year. The new resource is out, the the blueprint to fasting for fat loss. We get the challenge coming up. So we are just launching. Oh, that was one of our episodes too, launching 2023 mm-hmm. yep. with this fasting lifestyle and this fasting energy. So this study is really cool, Tommy, from a personalized standpoint. And this just came out. I mean, we're talking like hot off the presses in where is the date? I just had it in front of me. Yeah, I got January uh, 2023. In, January uh, 2023. Yep. Yep. And it is going to be looking at the combination of decreasing your sugar intake and combining it with the standard beginner's first step into fasting, which is that intermittent fasting window, which is the 16 8 mm-hmm. intermittent fasting window, which is where you have 16 hours of fasting and a lot of those are, you know, in the evening through sleeping and then in the morning. So, you know, we stack the deck in our favor to get it, make it a little bit easier yeah, right? <laughs> as you're getting into it. And then, you know, skipping breakfast, breaking your fast, using an eight hour eating opportunity, or we like to say a nutrition window. And this randomized trial was specifically done in participants with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So I know you and I personally sharing not the whole story, but just a little piece is that as my blood work as I was working out and, you know, you know, doing CrossFit and counting calories and macros mm-hmm. and tracking and hiring this specialized world-renowned nutritionist here in Houston and paid him about 10 grand. And I was labeled as a slow oxidizer. So I was doing 60 to 90 minutes on the rowing machine multiple mm-hmm. times a week. Yep. And I would lose a little, but my body composition really wouldn't change. And I started doing this, you know, the Dolce and the and the working out and the different types of workouts and cycling through them. And mm-hmm. Just trying it all. Sure. Over the over about a seven year span, my blood work continued to tick up. Blood pressure, triglycerides, HDL was low, LDL was high, to the point where my wife showed some of this genetic testing that we had done once. She showed it to a friend of hers at the gym because we were friends with the owners at that point when they still own the, they no longer own the gym. So that's why I put it in the past tense. And she was like, "Is he like drinking beer and eating like fast food every day?" Right. And she's like. <laughs> No, I don't think so. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not stopping getting, you know, the the triple cheeseburger and the whatever on the way home. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm eating like, it. yeah, we're we're food prepping and meal prepping and working out right. and all this stuff, right? But yeah. my liver enzymes were always something that showed up, right, mm. on my lab work, but it was never something that was talked about. And yeah, I didn't discover the blood sugar, insulin underlying issue that I had because my blood glucose and A1C was always in normal range. Yes, Mm -hmm. my fasting blood sugar was usually in the 90s, but it was like, oh, that's okay. That's fine. 
right? Yeah, it was never, ever fine. talked about, you know, mm -hmm. and I looked like a strong man in the off season with the big old belly. I had, you know, I had a lot, you know, I could power lift the foundation, the house off the foundation at one <laughs> Traps point. Traps up to your ears. Right. Yeah. yeah uh -huh. <laughs> and the point was, it was like, okay, well, my numbers weren't getting any better. And what was the issue? So I never knew back then that those liver, those elevated liver enzymes were an indication that I had something going on with right. my energy, my, my body's ability to process, store, and burn fat specifically around the liver as an organ or as, as a, as a processing plant. Yeah, it's crazy. And you know, if you think about it, the, the liver is, is central to, to everything that we do as far as removing blood sugar from the, from the system, as well as burning through fat, metabolically shifting gears from sugar burning into fat burning into ketosis. So it's, it's playing a vital role. So like we should be looking at it and it, it's, it's a shame that that some of these things that that tell us that there is a problem lurking and and brewing underneath the surface are, are just kind of like you said earlier like kind of swept under the rug because you may not meet the definition or the the the, the strict the strict definition of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease but at the same time those ticking up enzymes that show up on on a lot of our blood work especially right. as we're putting on some weight and we're we're feeling a little bit worse and we're we're trying to diet we're trying to get the weight off but it's just not coming off a lot of times these, these enzyme levels are, are ticking up and, and this is, that's the definition. The definition is, is an actual excess fat building up in the liver, but not caused by alcohol or heavy alcohol use. Right. And it can just, it can just be there kind of lurking and, and just kind of getting swept under the rug because there's, there's not really too much to talk about, but at the same time, it's happening as your, as that blood sugar was kind of ticking up too. And we know where that, where that kind of ends up over time. Yeah. And the diagnosis of, you know, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, you know, they're going to, you're going to look at, you know, how do I say this? They're going to look at you as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. And they're going to look at your health history and they're going to, you know, look at the blood work, the ALT and the AST, the medical history, overweight, obesity, insulin resistance, type two diabetes. You're going to hear a lot of the same things we talk about <laughs> on mm -hmm. all the other episodes triglycerides, abnormal levels of cholesterol, and an abnormal lipid profile, right? HDL is low, LDL is high, or metabolic syndrome. And they'll, you know, ask about other causes of liver disease. Do you have a family history? Do you drink? And mm -hmm. then they'll do a physical exam, look at your body mass index. Do you have an enlarged liver? Do you have signs of insulin resistance, such as darkened skin patches, knuckles, elbows, knees, signs of cirrhosis? Sure. Um, but if a lot of those come back negative, then, and you do the blood work and you have your ALT, your alanine aminotransferase, and your AST, which is aspartate aminotransferase, and they're just slightly elevated, and there's no other history or cirrhosis or additional major yeah. concern, then it's going to be rare in, in my experience of, of going through this and also hearing about it and hearing from other, a lot of the other people that have shared about their journey and their lab work mm -hmm. and their conversations, like going to the next step for ultrasound or biopsy or CT scan or an MRI is not typically where that conversation goes. Normally it sure. goes to blood yeah. pressure. Here's a cholesterol medication. Hey, you, you might want to think about, you know, eat less, move more kind of things. Yeah. If, if the risk isn't inherently there for you, if you fall into one of those high risk categories. So the frustrating thing is it just kind of like gets, you know, swept under the rug. And the reality is there was an article in the Journal of Clinical Gastroenterology and Hepatology, that's a mouthful, in December <laughs> of 2022. So another recent article, and this is a meta-analysis. This thing is massive. 2019 Global NAFLD 
non-alcoholic mm-hmm. fatty liver disease prevalence, a systematic review and meta-analysis, right? So they looked at the the reason they're looking at this is because the increasing rates of obesity and type 2 diabetes mellitus may lead to the increase of prevalence of, of NAFLD. Well, they're very yeah. much related. Right. And in the process in the liver of glycogenesis, like so mm. there's a direct correlation there. And the reality is, is that this is kind of how do we say it? Like the elephant in the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But nobody really knows what to do with it or how to talk yeah, about it. Yeah. Everyone just keeps jumping over it. Right. It's like, oh, there's a giant pink elephant in the room. So this review wanted to look at determining the current and recent trends on the global and regional prevalence of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Mm -hmm. So systematic research, they looked through 17,244 articles. They found 245 eligible studies, 5.3 million individuals. Wow. Whoa. The global prevalence was 29.8% of the population. Wow. 82 of these included articles that used ultrasound, not just elevated enzymes, but ultrasound Mm -hmm. to diagnose it, right? With the United States coming in in the top spot at 36%, or North America, I should say. Yeah. 36% prevalence. That's crazy. And just South America and North America were one and two. So this was from 1991 to 2019. And the trend here, right? is it went from 22%, excuse me, to 37%. Wow. In that amount of time, 0.7% increase per year, 2.7% increase in South America per year, and then Europe at 1.1%. So the takeaway is that this is increasing, and why does it matter, right? Well, it matters because the majority of people, the number one reason why people die that have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is due to cardiovascular disease. Mm. Now we're getting into the connection between diabetes and cardiovascular disease and metabolic syndrome and Mm. insulin resistance and blood sugar issues. Yeah, wow. So NutriSense combines the cutting edge tech with the human expertise. So you got the little CGM on the back of your arm Mm -hmm. and it shows you how to respond to different food, exercise, stress, and sleep in real time. So the exact stuff that we're talking about here, right? So NutriSense has two parts. It's the NutriSense program, and then the CGM is the biosensor. And this thing gives you real-time data. It has absolutely transformed my concept of managing blood sugar, knowing how I'm feeling, getting some data in real time. But for me specifically with exercise, the type of exercise I was doing was actually not helping my blood sugar response. So when I started Mm -hmm. doing walking and some more long zone one, zone two training, I started seeing better results and feeling better. So in real time, you get to see how your body's responding. And then the app and the dietitian support, absolutely incredible. So the key benefits, weight loss, stable energy throughout the day, better sleep, foods, cravings, and really ultimately what we're talking about is that lasting sustainable change. So now is the time, this time of year, head to NutriSense.io forward slash fasting for life. You get 30 bucks off. So I want to give a shout out to NutriSense. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that we've partnered with them officially. Um, And we just absolutely love the real-time data that NutriSense is able to give, Tommy. Um, It combines cutting-edge tech and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different food, exercise, stress, and sleep in real time. All of those things, um, which are the real-life day-to-day stuff that can make fasting easier and health goals more obtainable. Mm -hmm. 
So by pairing the CGM, which is the, the continuous glucose monitor, it's the thing that you wear in the back of the arm. It's completely painless. The application takes just seconds. And then you pair that with the expert dietitian guidance. It can really help you reach your health goals, especially this time of year, beginning of the year, keeping that motivation, regaining that motivation. Um, NutriSense uh, has really been a game changer for me on my journey because yeah. your blood sugar levels can significantly impact how your body feels and functions. So real-time analysis, right? So you put the thing on, you pair it with your app, you get visuals, you get guidance, you get expert support, you've got the community. Um, and this data in real time makes it easy, like we're talking about in today's episode, to identify what you're doing well and where there's room for improvement. What are those mm. things that you're doing well day to day that you want to continue to build on? So outcomes that most people will see, well, weight loss, you know, um, easier to stick to your fasting windows, stable energy throughout the day, better sleep, uh, how your body responds to certain foods or caffeine, yep. controlling cravings, all yeah, of the things. Less cravings. Right. All of the things that go into a healthy, sustainable fasting lifestyle. So I want to encourage you, head to the show notes, uh, click the link, NutriSense.io forward slash fasting for life. Um, commit to one of the longer plans uh, because it's going to allow you time to create the habits and the lifestyle that's going to get you the long-term results. Mm. You'll get 30 bucks off and one month free of dietitian support. So shout out to NutriSense. Excited to continue to use it and be uh, official partners with them because it's been a game changer for us and so many of our clients as well. So Tommy, let's get back into today's episode. Okay. If this is as high as it is, then how do we prevent or reverse or undo this clogged up liver function? Because the liver is absolutely so important. It is not just a filter. Mm -hmm. It is right. a living, breathing, metabolic functioning necessity that you need to have in your system. So just looking at it like risk factors, low HDL, type 2 diabetes, high BMI, age, hypertension, waist circumference, right? All of these things mm. that if you are struggling to lose weight, you typically have either on your radar or are already in that category. Yeah. And I, I feel like an important piece of the puzzle that was missing for me for a long time that I, I just don't hear talked about very often is the fact that the liver is responsible for actually metabolizing most of the fructose and a lot of the sugar that, that actually comes through the body. So the connection begins with what what we have to do with the fructose, especially that we bring in, which is why high fructose corn syrup is such a, like an, an easy target, but also such a, a powerful part of the problem here, because when that comes into the liver, the liver is forced to actually metabolize that. And then if we already have a full liver, like we're glycogen full, so we're, we're basically eating at, or a little bit above our, our caloric needs or our insulin levels are a little bit higher than they should be. So it becomes a little harder to tap into the stored fuel that we have in our liver. When, when we're doing that, then each additional gram of sugar, especially of fructose that comes in, is forced to, to actually be deposited as little fat droplets, mostly as visceral fat right around the heart and the vital organs. And then now we have the strong connection between sugar coming in and then cardiometabolic disease. Right. right. That mm -hmm. is a huge part of cognitive dissonance 
for most of us. Most of us just don't think about that or don't understand it, or we haven't right. heard that before to be able to make those connections. I want to share where the sources of the majority of the fructose comes from. But first, this is from the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases, so the NIDDK. Mm -hmm. And it's talking that it says here that either if you have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or NASH, which is a steatosis, I, I always mess up the pronunciation of this, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. <laughs> so what they say here is weight loss can reduce fat inflammation and fibrosis or scarring, right? So if you're mm -hmm. overweight or obese, losing weight. Now, some of you are going, yeah, I know, I'm trying. Losing yeah. at least three to 5% of your body weight can reduce fat in the liver. You may need to lose up to seven to 10. Yep. So we're gonna share some stuff from this article and the changes that we saw in a 12 week period, just 12 weeks, right? Yep. So just remember those numbers, okay? They're gonna be close, if I recall yeah. correctly. Tommy has those stats, but I'm pretty sure yeah. that we're in the ballpark. So hopefully I'm not <laughs> overpromising. Yeah, I had to lose about 15% <clears throat> of my body weight before I saw those enzymes drop the ones that weren't talked about whenever they actually came know, up in I my blood to, work. I have to look at that. I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, so let's talk about where this stuff comes from. So okay. this there was a study that was, you know, looked at. It was uh, an article in Medical News Today. It said high fructose corn syrup intake linked to liver disease. And it was looking mm -hmm. at the link between the high fructose corn syrups, NAFLD, mm -hmm. and you know, we know the risk factors. We already mentioned those. It was looking at exploring the consumption rates and hopefully helping researchers identify the reasons behind different ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at the data analysis, and this came from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, the NHANES, in 2017 and 18. And they looked at about 3,200, 3,300 folks, and 31% were in the moderate fructose consumption group and 35% were in the high consumption group. And it looked at Mexican-Americans, non-Hispanic Blacks, and non-Hispanic Whites as the three mm -hmm. main groups. Okay. And fructose consumption came in various sources. So if you think of fructose, right, most people think, well, fruit and then sodas, right? Sure. Soft yeah. drinks. Yeah. Like direct sources of sugar, candy. Well, 29% from baked goods, pasta, and other grains. Mm. Yeah. 28% from fruits and items containing fruit or fake fruit, like, oh, this sure. juice contains 10% juice from concentrate, yeah. <laughs> right? 16% from sweeteners, condiments, and sauces. Yeah, that's a big okay? one. Yeah. Oh, I just I just saw a couple of posts about somebody using ketchup, like with a with a continuous glucose monitor and the spikes that oh, they saw yeah. from, from different condiments like ketchup. I mean, yeah, ketchup was a huge one. That's hard. right. That's right. Yeah. And then 16% from sodas. Okay. So if we've got the wrong target here, then... The, the results may not match, right? If we're just, mm. you know, thinking we're doing the right thing and it's not helping. I mean, if that sounds familiar, you know, we shared a little bit about our story here just right. a few minutes ago, right? Yeah. So what we want to look at with the actual effects of the study is that, you know, we've talked about the stats, we've talked about the trends. We know that NAFLD is strongly associated with lack of movement and unhealthy hypercaloric diets, mm -hmm. but is there something small that we can change, right? Reducing, and we're not saying all forms of carbohydrates, but specifically fructose versus glucose. True. Because fructose, how did you word it, Tommy? It's like it's like gas on the fire. Like, what did you say? Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a major piece of that. I mean, it's a major like wrench being thrown into the system. I don't know exactly what I said, but I mean, yeah, it's, I don't it's remember. essentially, 
it's the accelerant for sure. Yeah, it's an accelerant. That's the word I was mm -hmm. looking for, an accelerant, right? Yeah. So I didn't mean to tee up there and then not uh, <laughs> not exactly give you what I was looking for. I was like, oh, you said fine. something, right? So yeah. when we're looking at this study, you know, excessive energy intake is the primary driver of development of NAFLD, but evidence suggests that certain sources of energy, such as sugar, right, which we're talking about, which we just mentioned, may especially promote increases in liver fat. Yeah. Now, we just talked about the sources of most of them. So the cornerstone of treatment is lifestyle modification with the aim of achieving significant weight loss. So we gave, shared some numbers there, right? Three to five, maybe seven to 10, depending on how far down the, the rabbit hole you are. Yeah. So time-restricted eating, which incorporates extended periods of daily fasting, right? The most common is that eight-hour window mm -hmm. by 16 hours of fasting. is an increasing in popularity, right? So is the low-sugar diet combined with TRE beneficial? And- this 12-week randomized trial was 45 participants, so a smaller study, but I love that it was 42-year-olds, 60% men, 40% women. We're starting to see yeah. a lot more studies with fasting, and we just did that last week's episode that talked about the four and six-hour windows, and that was mm -hmm. the majority of those women were on the borderline of obesity, and it was the majority of women in that study, Yeah, which yeah. was really cool to see, right? Yeah. So the prescribed diets were isocaloric, 30% of total daily energy from fat, 15 protein, which in these studies, I would love to see, how about we prioritize protein and fat and decrease the carbs, okay? Right. I know for this one, they couldn't do that, but it's always so interesting to me that protein is so low. So 30% yeah. fat, 15% protein, 55% carbohydrates with at least nine servings of fruits and vegetables. Dietary adherence wow. was monitored. The primary outcome was liver fat, assessed via and controlled via the attenuation parameter. The secondary outcomes were liver fibrosis assessed using a fiber scan and liver enzyme levels, right? The ALT mm. and the AST and the GGT, anthropometrics, markers of in inflammation, which I loved the CRP yes. in the CRP um, addition to this one as well, right? Yeah. And because we know higher levels of CRP, less effective fat burning due to Absolutely. the blocking of the leptin signals and the insulin effectiveness getting to your brain, telling your yeah. brain to burn fat. And then they looked at total antioxidant capacity, fasting blood glucose, fasting insulin, insulin resistance, which was not just like a blood test. It was actually using the gold standard HOMA IR mm. and looking at blood lipids, Tommy. So let's go over some of the results. Wow. I love the design of this because when I talk to any of my friends or family and they talk about something being off in their blood work. <laughs> First two rules of fasting. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, just no, no. Yeah, we're not even talking about fasting. But if they say, oh man, I got my blood work back and I, you know, I got some elevated triglycerides or, or maybe they actually say some, some elevated uh, liver enzymes, um, which is more rare because like we know 36% of Americans actually have this, but most don't understand that they have it because it's not being actually like diagnosed for right. them. But when when they talk about having some elevated um, enzymes or triglycerides or cholesterol or something like that, most of them, most of these are 1980s or 1970s or 1960s models. Then they they immediately go to I need to reduce the fat in my diet. <clears throat> they almost never say I need to cut out some sugar in my diet. And the, the cool carbs. thing about this, yeah, the cool thing about this study is it it it's going to directly compare that, which I really like. So it's interesting. You might be thinking, who the heck would you know, who talks about that stuff? Well, with your background, Tommy, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh-huh. And you're, yeah, you do. You, yeah. You uh -huh. literally do. Yeah, right. Um, first time we hung out, forced intervention by the wives. 
Um, <laughs> stuff like this came up. I can I can I can attest to it. So right. the cool thing here is that the intervention and control groups were isochloric, meaning they ate the same amount of calories. Okay. Mm. Uh, based on the the reports, the intervention and control groups decreased their energy intake by 198 and 153 kilocals per day, respectively, compared to the baseline. Mm -hmm. So the energy intake in both groups was statistically significant compared to the baseline, but there was no difference in energy intake between the groups. Mm -hmm. And the fat mass compared to baseline, right? So the intervention group decreased body weight and fat mass from 83 to 80 kilograms and 26 wow. to 24 kilograms in the control. Additionally, compared to the control, the intervention decreased liver fat and liver fibrosis scores and improved or reduced all levels of liver enzymes. Nice. Here's wow. a kicker. The control increased fat mass and decreased mm. lean body mass. Ouch. In 12, in 12 weeks. weeks. 12 weeks. You're talking about a fourth of a year here. And left to my own devices when my liver already doesn't look great i already have some elevated enzymes it doesn't take long to continue to move in the wrong direction that's yeah that's scary. yeah accelerant right there yeah that that that's where i was that's what i was seeing in my blood work but yep. on a year-to-year -year basis you don't have to go very long to to see that without controlling either uh, both what I'm intaking or the timing of what I'm intaking. It doesn't have to be, I don't have to be eating anything crazy. I don't have to yeah. be taking in just way too many calories, but my, my liver is suffering over time and it's getting worse. My macros were so incredibly crazy to me that like there were days I just couldn't finish the food. And mm -hmm. it was like one meal was like two cups or like 200 and I don't remember the exact numbers, but like 285 carbs a day. Uh, like, uh, I don't, I don't remember exactly the amount, like 150, 170 grams of protein and mm -hmm. under hundred grams of fat, like 90 grams of fat. Right. It was like insane to me, but more inflamed blood work was getting worse, yeah. feeling worse. Right. So all of those things as well, but it, it definitely was not moving the needle and this is 55% carbohydrate. Right. So, um, interestingly enough, when we do our, our food or nutrition feedback in our group. We'll ask people to, you know, put together some meals and track for a, a short period of time to make sure that we're not under consuming or over consuming in certain areas with the fasting mm -hmm. schedules. There's always posts where it's like, yeah, I thought I was doing great. And then we break down and it's like the meals are 50 to 60% carbohydrates. And that's more common. If we look at the standard American yeah. diet, I mean, that's what we're talking about, right? So yep. it's just, it's just crazy. Share a few more results here. The innovation, uh, and I think you have some percentages on body body weight as well, but I want to make sure we hit the total cholesterol numbers. So mm -hmm. the intervention decreased triglycerides from 201 to 133. Wow. Say that again. 200, 201.5 to 133.27. Wow. On the triglycerides. Total in 12 cholesterol. Weeks. Imagine if the carbohydrate percentage was 30% yeah. and it was natural, unrefined, unprocessed carbs. And if it wasn't and, an eight hour eating window, what if it yeah, was, maybe like it was six a six hour? Yeah, a maybe, maybe a six or a four, like last week's article, uh, last week's yeah. you were doing here. Wow. Are you picking up what we're putting down? So, yeah. and each of these changes were significant compared to the control. So, total cholesterol went from 190 to 157 and LDLC from 104 
to 84. Wow. They also decrease levels of fasting blood glucose. It gets better from 105 to 92, pre-diabetic to not. Mm -hmm. Now, I'd like to see that 92 be 86 or 5. Yeah. No need to, you know, would the inventor of the Titanic say it can't be sank? Well, you got a little too close to that iceberg, right? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> 105 to 92. Don't stop there. Let's yeah. not be at 92. Let's be a little farther away from the air quotes normal range of, you know, 99. Let's get to 82. Yeah. yeah. CRP 3.14 to 2.02. Huge. Wow. wow. Huge. Because CRP doesn't have a big range. Okay. Yeah. It's a small range. 30 plus percent reduction right there. What? Right. And each of these changes were significant. No stinking way. Right. So. The big picture here, Tommy. Do you have any more num numbers? Any more numbers we want to share before we move on? There was also, oh no, you you talked about blood glucose. Yeah, like um, I think you hit them all. Those are they're incredible. All right, Tommy. So during your seven day fast, I want to give a shout out to Nutrisense here. We mentioned your CGM a couple of times. Uh, we mentioned Nutrisense, um, mm -hmm. but I know you were tracking it, looking at some of the real time metrics, which is why. We've partnered with Nutrisense, um, and so I'm going to ask you for your biggest, you know, for one or two of the biggest takeaways while while using Nutrisense during your your seven day fast. Mm -hmm. um, and first of all, for all the new listeners, Nutrisense, the reason we partner with them is because they combine cutting edge technology and human expertise, so you can see how your body responds to different food, exercise, stress, and sleep in real time. Right. Yeah. So by pairing the CGM with the app and the expert dietitian guidance, it can help you reach your long-term health goals. So the CGM is the biosensor. It's the thing you wear on the back of your arm, completely mm -hmm. painless. Um, and then their incredible app, you scan it, boom. And in real time, you can analyze your glucose levels and the responses to all those things I just mentioned, right? So it tracks yeah. your levels. Each device lasts for 14 days. You can scan it, visualize it, log it, run experiments, which is pretty much your entire seven-day fast. Right. And then you can ask really cool questions to your to the dietitian guidance as well. Um, and seeing the data in real time makes it easy to identify what you're doing well and where there's room for improvement. So we see weight loss, stable mm -hmm. energy, better sleep, understanding of which foods are good for them. So you'll hear some of this stuff later in the pod in this episode in some of those things that you noticed, right? Some of those changes yeah. that you noticed. Um, so head to the show notes, click the link, Nutrisense.io forward slash fasting for life. You get 30 bucks off and one month free dietitian support. Uh, I would encourage y'all to choose one of the six or 12 month subscriptions because it's going to allow you to really dial it in. Tommy's an expert mm -hmm. at this point, but what's the <laughs> one biggest takeaway that you saw uh, with your readings during this experiment? Um, well, one thing that I saw was that the the tightening up of the range as I got deeper and deeper into the fast, ketones started to rise, blood sugar stayed within a, a, a very tight range. And the, the cool thing there was that I had visuals all throughout the day. So I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm scanning it every couple of hours, and then taking a look at the graph, and then I'm, I'm going back to the previous day to see how it compares. All of those visuals like burn into my mind, you know, so now after coming off of the, the seven day fast and even like when I broke it, I, I didn't want to throw everything all all crazy. I didn't want everything to all, you know, just ex expand and take forever to kind of come down with this big glucose spike. So that makes me want to make more good food choices, even after coming off of there, when I haven't made a food choice in, you know, a, a week now. So it's like, yes, everything sounds good. And there's plenty of opportunities and different foods around that I could have chosen. But making good food choices was like, 
like the number one thing on my mind at that point because I wanted to see how I was going to respond yep. then after the seven day fast. So what I heard there is built in accountability and intentionality. Yep. And that's yep. what I absolutely love about NutriSense. Head to the show notes, click the link, grab the code, get the free month dietitian support. So what about the body fat, the intervention group that lost the amount of weight? So it was Despite a similar decrease in energy intake, the intervention group lost a little over three kilograms of body weight and about 2.5 kilograms of fat mass, while the control group gained about 1.7 kilograms of fat mass on average. The divergence was crazy in body composition yeah. implies that there was a greater decrease in energy intake from the intervention group. And right, it's not uncommon to see that in self-reported things. But it's right. also very common, see what I'm doing here, to see mm -hmm. that in fasting interventions. Yeah. You stop being hungry all the time. Your cravings improve. You feel better. You don't feel as ravenous. Things mm -hmm. start to balance out. Your body is in ketosis and tapping into some of those fat stores, i.e. 2.5 kilograms of fat mass, mm -hmm. right? And three kilograms of total body weight in 12 weeks. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that that sentence right there means they can't explain the difference based on what they were actually measuring. Right. This, this, this divergence implies there was a greater decrease in energy intake in the intervention group. No, they, they knew what the calories were. They just didn't expect to see the change in body composition to be so substantial. And, and that's where we can, we can really start moving the needle in some surprising ways. When we're, when we're right. implementing fasting correctly <clears throat> right. and we're, we're using the superpower of actually controlling the food intake as well to, to like level up those, those fasting results too, which is, which is why there's so much potential here. And this is incredible. But I, I also want to point out the fact that this was a 12 week study because we've, we've done episodes in the past talking about some of the major dietary, you know, restrictions or interventions or styles that can be used like a ketogenic diet and low carb and things like that, because a lot of these things are, are tough to stick to long-term and, and that's okay. And it can also be tough to like, see myself using this for a long-term basis, but 12 weeks is not very long to actually set things aside, to use something like this as a planned protocol, knowing that I'm going to shift gears maybe 12 weeks from now. I don't have to be doing this for life in order to actually create a healthier version of myself. And I, I think that's the incredibly empowering part. That, that's the perspective I wish I had a few years ago. Right. And if, if you're a 200 pound person listening to this, right, you know, that's three, that's over 3% of your body weight. Remember we shared that three to 5% will do it for most people. Mm -hmm. Right. But we need to look at the liver, you know, as an important part. Right. So, you know, when that's why sugar restriction is being investigated for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. There's an association mm -hmm. between sugar sweetened beverage consumption, but there's also the, the research that showed that, you know, 29% from baked goods, pasta, and other grains, crackers, baked goods, right? Packaged yeah. foods, 28% from fruits and other items containing Hidden. fruit or fruit juice, 16% from sodas, and then 16 16%, excuse me, from sodas. So it's like, okay, we got to make sure that we're, yeah, we, we know, yeah, let's reduce the sugar, but it's not the sweets and the sodas per se. And it's not just ice cream, you know? Yeah, right. And the idea yeah. here is, is that, you know, fructose may have that particularly detrimental effect on the liver because of how it's metabolized, right? It's that, that accelerant. Mm -hmm. It goes through a different process, but 
Glucose metabolism in the liver is regulated by insulin. So if you're imbalanced in the liver fat accumulation, right? So when fatty acid uptake and the production exceeds rates of the fatty acid oxidation and export, us breathing out our fat, we literally burn, we lose yeah. our fat through our breath, mm -hmm. right? When that's out of whack and we're looking at insulin, right? The me metabolism of this glucose and fructose, well, fructose is a little bit different because it goes through that different process, but so a surplus of glucose then bypasses the liver to be metabolized by other tissues. So your liver is clogged. So now we're starting yep. to see, and there was an article that uh, we're going to do an episode on where it shows that insulin resistance in the skeletal muscle mm -hmm. and what that yep. mechanism look like, looks like, right? So fructose independent of insulin and not regulated by the energy status of liver. So we need to decrease the fructose, but then to get the liver swinging that equation of oxidation in our favor, well, let's just decrease the insulin or energy intake overall. Yeah. And let our liver come up for air, so to speak. Yeah. And that's where fasting is so stinking powerful. You don't have to completely remove carbohydrates. You don't mm -hmm. have to demonize food groups. You don't have to. We're going to say yeah. limit, limit, right? Limit because you will accelerate that process because carbohydrates, you know, have the highest insulin and blood sugar response, right? right? But it doesn't have to be a one size fits all approach. Yeah. Fasting, however, can apply to any and all situations when applied properly. Yeah, you also don't have to eat like a rabbit whenever you right? do break your fast in order to move the needle here. We need to leverage the time component because yes. time is time is the besides your actual macronutrient, time is your is your big lever here. And I, right. I would argue that it's probably a slightly bigger lever than the the intake, the macronutrient profile. So what that means is we have to get better at leveraging the time component and not just being concerned that I'm not eating the perfect food when I do break my fast. I need to get to get better and more consistent with my fasting and then add this on top, you know, a little bit of, of, of control and delaying but not complete, you know, restriction or omission of some of my favorite foods, you know. And then now I can start seeing the, the needle move. I can see the blood work start to improve, even, even if it wasn't diagnosed. Like if I go back right. five years and I, and I look at my, my ALT and my AST and my GGT, and they're all ticking up. They're in the yellow or, or sometimes in the, in the red zone, but I never had any insight into right. that. But if, but if I knew it was going to move the needle, if I just like skipped breakfast consistently right. and stopped eating past maybe like 8 p.m., or something and, and actually like time restricted that I would have been all over it. But but I, I never I never knew the the concrete connection there. So I, I think that's huge. You know, looking at the reduction here too, you know, looking at so just trying to apply it to real life, right? Because what you're talking about there is real life, right? And especially for women, especially, you know, under 40 childbearing years, you need healthy carbohydrates leading up to your to your cycle because progesterone is fueled by those, right? So mm -hmm. like, that's where the cravings, so low carb, yes, it is so powerful in this instance, right? Decreasing mm -hmm. the sugar, even though their carbohydrate intake was still 55%, you know, the reduction in real life, the intervention group reduced sugar and fructose intake from 139 to 101, and then 24 to four. So 
fructose 24 to 4, and sugar 139 to 101. I mean, that's a lot of sugar. So imagine if we like cut those numbers, the, the sugar number in half. Yeah. It's just incredible that like the application of this can fit any, no matter where you are yeah. on the spectrum, right? And there's, we can just keep going, right? The studies that show yeah. that diabetes, you know, in, in low carb adherence at the two-year mark was worse than it was at the yeah. origination date. It was good at six to 12 months, but then 18 to 24 yeah. months, the wheels fell off. Because they were thinking about it as a life, as a long-term yeah. you know, kind of thing, not a rotational intervention. Right. And so the takeaway here is, well, how do you do this? Well, put a little bit of intentionality into your plan, right? Mm -hmm. You need to have a guide. Well, you got a blueprint to fat loss. Right. Start there. Right. The blueprint to fasting for fat loss. Start there. It has everything in there you need. It's got a little bit of science, a little bit of application, how to ramp up your windows, how to choose your window, right? Yeah. We have our one meal a day guide already, but this is going to be more of a comprehensive blueprint, right? Mm -hmm. And then start doing those things today. Make a yeah. different decision when your next nutrition opportunity. Set yeah. your timer, be consistent, right? So you really wanna, we use the word accelerant or accelerate yeah. that right. process, <laughs> then we're gonna recommend you hop in this kickoff event for this year, the first seven-day fasting lifestyle challenge coming up as yes. well, Tommy. So grab the guide, pick one or two things that you're gonna do today. Don't pretend, don't think about it in the future. No, yeah. now, today. Don't push it off. Yeah. One actionable thing you perfection. can do, accelerate that process, <laughs> and then go check out the link for the seven-day fasting lifestyle challenge that is coming up on February 1st. And yes, we waited for the holiday hangover to take place. <laughs> and the New Year's resolutions to wear off because now we are focused and we're gonna start right. the month fresh. Doesn't matter the month, doesn't matter the day. It's the decision that you make in the moment to start. And that's what we're gonna do along with you, Tommy. So yeah, go yeah. ahead. With the challenge not in January, it doesn't have to be about a New Year's resolution. Right, you know? exactly. Like, no, 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 it's February. Forget about, forget about you know, that, the silly stuff, that the, yeah. the flash in the pan stuff, right? But this is all about getting a little bit outside of your comfort zone, right? and having the the support and the yep. feedback and the structure that can really help push and accelerate the process. So we're all about moving that momentum in the right direction. So it's going to be really cool. So super excited to see everybody. Absolutely. 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 Head to the show notes, download the blueprint to fasting for fat loss. Check out the link for more information, dates and times for the seven day fasting lifestyle challenge coming up on February 1st. Tommy, as always, sir, thank you for the conversation. Hugely, uh, man, I'm so fired up about this one. Right? I just want to keep going, but we'll get it in the episode, right? <laughs> so thank you guys for listening again. Yeah. Thank you all for just the amazing, you know, just continued support as, mm -hmm. you know, with, with the downloads and the, and the weekly listens and the reviews. We just, yeah. we are so appreciative that you guys have chosen us to be part of your fasting journey. So Absolutely. grateful. Love and appreciate you all for listening. Tommy, as always, sir, talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So, you've heard today's episode, and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.